This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, Parsha Vayikra 5783. We have a positive toward the end of the Parsha, and I'm giving a little bit of a disclaimer right now, right? I gave a shear on this four years ago. And I'm adding to it because I didn't feel I did it justice four years ago. I felt like I missed out on two different things, major things that I really wanted to talk about. So I'm going to repeat it. So if you heard my share from 5779, it's on the same pasuk. There are certain things that I'm repeating, and I never, ever do that. It happened to be that it was a place when I wrote this share that I had no shaykhis, unfortunately, to my old shirim, and I couldn't figure out, and I decided to do one of this. It's a long story, but either way, parakeh, pasuk chavalif, here's what it says here. It says, nefesh ki soul that sins and he does me'il against Hashem and he does something wrong against the Kodesh Baruch so he lies against his nation when it comes to some type of an object given to him Sumas Yod or Sumas Yod is a different type we're not going to go into this but either it's referring to a partnership or some type of deal that's being made by one person or the other O Begezel O Asha Kasmiso when it comes to thievery right or Asha Kasmiso or taking away one's hired wages. There's a couple other things that are mentioned over there, but that's the basic idea. When you lie about something that you said that you took, that you didn't take when somebody actually gave it to you, then that's going to be Chayv and a Korban Asham, and that's what the end of the parasha talks about. That's the idea behind it, when, especially when he gets caught. Now, let's just talk about the simple Allah. If the guy admits his sin, and he says, I did something wrong. I lied in court after denying that I stole something. And then he's Moda in Bazdin. Not only does he have to give the money back to the person that he stole it from, but he also has to add a fifth, and that's actually a fourth, like in our numbers. It's a fifth added. So that means like a quarter of the total amount. If it's $100, he would pay $125. That's what the fifth is. Not $20, but $25. And there, and he has to bring a korban asham. And that's a korban asham, asham gazelos, which is a ram itself. If the man dies, he doesn't have any yorsham. There's nobody that inherits. And the money and the added fifth is paid to the kohanim before the, before the korban can be offered. It has to be done that way. Now, the Sefer Achinach explains the reason for this. Why is it that you gotta pay karen, chomesh, the asham? What is that? Because there are people that think to them, themselves about they say perhaps i'm stealing right now right but that's because i need it right now this guy has a lot of stuff he's going to be able to survive he'll be perfectly fine but me i'm not going to be able to survive without this so i'm going to take it from him right now and i'll return eventually the value of the item and that's going to be a shavas gazela right i'm going to return the gazela i'm not going to be over on anything because that's called a lav shinitic lasse i stole but i did it for a reason and eventually i'm going to pay the guy back so what's the big deal it's like i didn't do anything wrong that's why the Torah says in such a situation where you think you're going to get away with it, where you stole, but there's this and that and the other, Torah tells you when you return the item, not only do you have to bring the added fifth, you have to add on a korban asham as a kapara for your stealing. You think you didn't do anything wrong? You did. You owe a korban for your stealing itself. Even if the end, your friend forgives you for what you did and your friend says, I totally understand. Don't worry about it. You don't owe me anything and he's mocho on his money. You're still chayiv in a korban asham to Hashem. You have to bring that Korban Hashem to Hashem. He can be mochel. He can say, I have not, don't worry about it. I totally understand. But Hashem is not mochel. And therefore, whether you did this Bishogeg, whether you did it Bemezid, you're always chayev to pay a Karen, a Chomesh, and a Korban Hashem. There's no question about that. That is an absolute chayiv. The chayt, says the Maskele David, applies to everything here. Maybe he thought he was in the right when he did it, when he stole somebody else's item, when he was a partner with somebody else, whenever he did over here. But when he swore falsely about it, 
That was an absolute me'ila. That's not just accidentally I swore. You can't accidentally swear. When you say something and you know that that's the punishment, that that's something that's wrong, that shows you are evil. That's inexcusable. I can understand, again, somebody excusing himself and saying, I need it right now. What do you want me to do? Eventually, I'll pay it back. I can hear that. I can hear a guy saying, I can't pay the bill right now. I'm going to pay the bill. So I'll deny it right now, but I'll eventually pay it back. I can hear a person doing that. But swearing in court, that you know is wrong. That's the Ksaba, Kabbalah, the Moscow, they say that's the idea behind it. The al says that's the way of a hate between a man and his friend. At first, he sins against them, but eventually, he sins against to Kaddish Baruch Hu as well. It just gets worse and worse and worse. It becomes part of your system to where even a hate, an accidental sin that you didn't mean to do, becomes a me'ila, something on a very, very, very terrible level. Now, Rashi quotes Rabbi Kiva. What does it mean that he sinned against the Kaddish Baruch over here? Why use the word ma'al, which is, again, a very serious type of sin, something where you're going up against God, right? How is it any worse than any other case where you're denying a claim in court and you're doing something wrong? Why is that any different? So he said to Valon, he says, anyone, this is all Rashi, anyone that lends, borrows, gets involved in business, understands that you need a star, you need documentation, and you need witnesses for everything. If you go into business and you don't have any witnesses and you don't have any documents and you just expect everybody to, you know, be trustworthy and everything, you're never going to get anywhere. And I think we all understand that. There are deals all the time that are forgotten. There are certain things where people don't mean to, but they meant one way and they said another way in order to make sure that everybody's on the same page as one another. And this is a really important deal. To make sure everyone's on the same page, you must, you absolutely must have everything documented. And when a person denies everything, that means he's not only denying the whole loan, he's denying everything that's between them. He's saying the document is a forgery, saying the witnesses are liars. He's going up against everyone and saying, I know I'm telling the truth and everybody else is a liar. That's the idea behind what's happening over here. The third person in this deal, by far more than anything else, is a Kaddish Baruch And that's where the Me'ila comes into play. How dare you get involved and say, I'm borrowing, I'm doing this, or whatever it is, or I'm taking up Picasso and acting like a friend to your fellow, to your fellow man, and then afterward, not just denying it, but swearing to God that it's not true. How are you bringing a Kaddish Baruch into such a situation and allowing it to happen, says Rashi. That's how bad this is. That's Rashi in Tiberi Yomim says the exact same thing. The Rabbeinu Ephraim says, it's worse than that. You're denying God's existence. Every time you steal something and then deny it in court, you're showing that God is not really in charge, that he's not really there for you. That's why Kaddish Baruch Hu said, he said, who saw me? Who's going to know what I did? I'll eventually take care of it. That's denying Ashkacha. Protest as if Kaddish Baruch Hu is not involved. How dare you? That's the me'il involved. The Ibn Ezra talks about that as well. The Ben Ishchai in Adaris Leo says, he wonders what the difference is between a pikadon an object that you're asked to watch. Like I give you something and I say, hey, can you watch this for me? I give a camera over to someone. And a tsumes yod. And something that is a deal from one person to the other. Seemingly, both things came into their hands beheter. We made a deal with each other. So I gave you over something. Or there's something that I own and I'm giving over to you. And that's the pikadon. Both of them seem to say, there's definitely a difference between gezel and oshek. Gezel is stealing something from somebody else. I literally go up to a person and grab his wallet. Oshek is denying that I owe the guy money for work that he might have done for me. The guy fixed my boiler and I was like, yeah, I, I don't think it's fixed. And I deny that he ever came in and did anything. 
thing. I understand that. That's Gezel and Oshek. But these two, what's the difference between the two? What's the difference in both of these cases? Vayikarabo, Vav Aleph brings a story, Ben Timalyon. If anybody remembers from Gemara, if you've ever done Dafyomi, Ben Tamalion is the name of a demon. It's actually, it's funny because in certain places you'll see the Girsa of Ben Talamion, Bar Talamion, I should say, Bar Talamion, and that's the demon that met Reb Shimba Yechai when he was on his way to Rome to try to get the Jews forgiven what had happened. That's where Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Yossi went down with him and he got cursed that he wouldn't go back to his father. It's a famous Gemara, Me'ila Daf Yud Zion, right? So that's that. In that Gemara, Bar Talamion is the name Bartholomew. If you know anybody who's named Bartholomew, it's after this demon. You can tell him. That's one of the reasons why the Simpsons were not dumb people. The people that made the Simpsons in the first place, they named the child Bart for that reason because it's short for Bartholomew, which is the name of a demonic demonic entity. That was the idea behind it. He was a demon. He was a little demon. That's where it came from. Anyway, this is not the demon. This is just a random guy by the name of Ben Tamalian. What did he do? So he borrowed money from somebody. He had a large amount of money. I don't know if it was a Picard or whatever it was, but he ended up having a ton of stuff. The other guy came up to him and said, can you give me back the money? And he said, I, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. I'm denying it, whatever. So the guy said, I'm taking you to court. So he said, 100%. What he did was he took his staff and he hallowed it out completely. Hallowed the entire staff out. And he took all the coins that he owed the guy and he put it inside the staff. And then he screwed on the cap of the staff and he had it so that when he held the staff, he was holding all the money in his hands. When he went to court, right, the judge called him up to testify, that he would testify what had happened. So he gave his staff over to the guy. He told the guy that he had borrowed the money from, and he said, here, can you hold my staff? The guy held his staff, and then he went up to the front, and he swore, I swear to HaKadosh Baruch Hu that I returned the money to its owner. And he technically did. He gave the money over to the guy, but he didn't know that it was in the staff itself, right? He had absolutely no idea. So once he swore, right, and did that, and the other guy knows he's an absolute liar, he took the staff that he was holding, and he said, it can't be, smashed it on the ground, the thing fell off, all the coins fell out from the staff itself, and the guy's ruse, and he's like, oh, I... Didn't know you didn't realize it was in the staff. Clearly did not work out well for that guy and he lost everything whatsoever. Now, that Ben Ishai brings that story and he says, he said, this type of oath would never work in court. The type of oath of, I swear that I gave it back to him. Bazin will never let that work, says the Ben Ishai. Because you're always swearing al-das Bazin. You're not swearing al-daitcha and your own das of what you want to do. You have to swear al-das Bazin. And Bazin's going to say, did you return the money to that guy or not? And he's going to have to swear, yes, they returned the money. They're going to say, when did you return it and how did you return it? That's going to be part of the shvua. This guy can't get around that because his answer is obviously three minutes ago with the staff. That wouldn't work. So the Ben Yishchai says, such a thing will never work. And he says, that's hinted to in the Pasuk. Whenever one denies a pikadon, something that came into his hands, better in a mutradik way, whether he received it through business or a loan or whatever it is, even if tsumes yod, you literally place it into the hands of your friend by faking it and putting it in a fake hallowed staff and you give it over to him, nonetheless, that is me'ila. You're over on me'ila. You're doing something that's wrong and you need a full kapara. That's the lesson that's being learned from this and the understanding that's coming from this Pasuk itself. That brings us to the Orchayim HaKadosh. The Orchayim HaKadosh says, he wonders why the word hate is used here. What's the hate? This guy knows what he's doing. 
He's clearly lying about something that was in his hands. Why is this called a chait? I understand the me'ilah part now perfectly. Rashi's explaining the me'ilah. The Ben Ishchai's explaining the me'ilah. I get why it's wrong, why it's a terrible thing to do. But a chait? That's a, a, something that you did bishogig, something you didn't do for a wrong reason over here. Why is this considered a lighter sin? He has a few other obvious questions as well, like why it says Bamiso against his people and says Mal Bashem. And he answers, there are three different evil things that this person did over here. And the Orachim explains all three of them. First, he took something that's not his. That's obvious. Okay, he took something that wasn't his. That's wrong. Second, you're denying God's judgment by taking it and saying, I don't care what's going to happen. I'm going to swear that I don't have it and whatever it is. That's denying a Kaddish Baruch Hu's judgment thinking that you know better and God made a mistake and I deserve this money rather than the other guy, that's number two and that's me, Ilabasha. The third one is interesting. He's making his friend look horrible. Do you know what it's like to ask a man for money in court and be called a liar? You're asking me for money that you never gave me? See, it's one thing for the guy who was lent the money to forget Okay, that's fine. That happens. For the guy to have the money and for him to look as a liar, that's one thing. But to make the claimant look as a liar, look like a liar, that's doubly evil. The guy who's a normal guy, he lent you money when you needed it. Or he needed some help and he gave you something to watch. And you're making him look like a liar? You're making him look like a Russia? No one's going to trust this guy anymore. You you know you're not trustworthy. But that guy, he was trustworthy and he's a good guy. And you're making him look bad? Says That's the worst part over here. The kichesh ba'amiso, you're lying against your fellow man in court and making him look bad. He's never going to be looked at this same again. How could you make that happen? You're making the nigzal, the one who was stolen from, into a Russia. That is the idea behind it. That last reason would only apply to the four cases mentioned in the Pasuk, says Orachim HaKadosh, not to finding an Aveda. The next Pasuk talks about if you find a lost item and you deny having found it. That's different, because then you're not making somebody look into a liar. But this guy, you're telling a guy who mamish had nothing, no wrong thoughts at all, and you're making him into a Russia? How dare you, says Orachim HaKadosh, and that's the third part. And that's the idea behind what we're saying over here. There is a hate over here. There is a me'ilah over here. That each one has its own status. This third one is really what the hate is. That you might not realize what you're doing and making this guy into a liar, but you're ruining his life. Your mamish ruining his life. That's the worst part. Dave, what were you going to ask? Yeah, so how, how does this differ from one Lashon Hara or Achilles and the other would be like, like being a checker. Like, I mean, isn't well, I mean, the, the, no, 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 hold on. You're denying that somebody has something and then you ha- you're going to have to pay no, if you no, admit afterward you're paying a Corbin right? auction. Making, right? Oh, you're saying like in theory. It. Yeah, I get it. I, I, I don't know. I mean, you want me to take you to a second? Like, I don't know. Why is it any different from denying God's existence? Why, you're over on Anochi. Why is it different from Shabbos? You're also, you know, terrible with the, when it comes to Shabbos. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's like the stretchiest of the stretchiest. I feel like it's a little bit redundant. It's not. It's not. No, it's a Korban Ashem that you're high for, for denying it and then having to pay the Korban Ashem later. It's totally different from that. No. Absolutely not. Right. It has nothing to do with it. No, Lashonara is a different issue. It's a totally different issue. I can't even compare the two. You're like taking murder and saying it's the same thing. Like, no, I'm not comparing this. If I go up and I stand up at a podium and I announce that this person is a thief, 
right? And mm-hmm. I ruin his name in the, in the community. That's like the third aspect. The third aspect that in order to understand that it existed, you had to hear the Orachaim others tell you such a thing. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, it's not straight out. Yes, there is an aspect of making the guy look bad over here. Guys, you didn't have to dress up for me. I appreciate it. I really appreciate it. But thank you. I really appreciate it. You guys look great. It's amazing. Yeah, cover the Torah. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Okay, let's go on. The Kliyakr. The Kliyakr points out over here that the word Chet precedes the word Mal over here. There's Chet and then Me'ila, right? But by stealing Hektish in Pasuk Tezvav, it says Ma'al and then a Chet. What's the difference over here? It's Chet and the Me'ila, Me'ila and Chet. And that's because this Parsha, this Parsha specifically is dealing with stealing your friend's money and then swearing falsely in courts. He said, you sinned once against your friend by stealing from him, but you sinned twice, Klapish Shmayim, by not only stealing, that's also wrong in your chayyim for doing something in Shmayim, but then swearing falsely itself. It's kisechata against your friend, and then mo'al, mo'al, mo'ala, ma'al, you did a double me'ila, a double sin when it comes to a Kaddish Baruch That's it. By Hektish, the word me'ila is first as a kliyakr, because as soon as you benefit from Hektish, you did a me'ila by touching something that belonged to Hashem. That's the idea. You did something against Hashem first, and then afterward, it says the word chait, because you stole from Kachim, those people, the Kohanim, who get their stuff from Kachim, and that's something else entirely. That's how I understand. The Panim Yafos says something extremely similar over there. But then he gives a remez, which is a beautiful remez. Every single night we go to sleep and we say the words, Biyadcha Afkid Ruchi. In your hands, Akadosh Baruch I place my soul. I'm giving you my soul. I'm giving you everything I have. And it's possible I'm not going to wake up in the morning. But every single night we say such a thing. And in the morning, it's so much of a shock that we're able to wake up. We say, We say those words because of how awesome it is that we're depositing our soul in the hands of a Kaddish Baruch and we're getting it back. We know every single night that we didn't do what we were supposed to do. We were filled with garbage and sins that we never should have done. Even if we're somewhat clean, there's no way you made every bracha correctly. There's no way you answered a main properly to every bracha. There's no way you concentrated on the 137 times, I'm making up a number that's not a real number, don't quote me on that, that you say God's name when you daven shacharis in the morning. Right? Now, all the times that you're doing, there's no way. And yet, HaKadosh Baruch has no problem with giving you back your soul and making it feel refreshed as if nothing happened at all. He has no problem with it. He doesn't keep it up there waiting and saying to himself, man, he doesn't deserve this back. No, he doesn't make you suffer. Instead, he gives it right back to you with everything that you need. In fact, being recharged allows you to do the exact same thing all over again. This man who denies that he was being given anything to watch, even though his friend didn't know him anything at all, right? So there was no reason to take it from him didn't learn this lesson properly. He looks at a Kaddish Baruch Hu and he says, yeah, I deserve to get my soul back and yet denies giving back what somebody had given him beforehand. That's the idea of what it is. HaKadosh Baruch Hu should hold back his soul for withholding something that belongs to his friend, whether it's wages or something he stole, something he gave to him, Tzumas Yad, whatever it is. He was Ma'al Ba'ashem, says the Kliyakar. You were Ma'al and Hashem. Look at what God does for you every single night. How do you not learn that lesson? How did you not get it? That's the idea. The Torah more in the Zohar mentions in Achil Gimel, Perak, page 119, says the exact same thing. Tosefis Bracha, Rav Epstein says the exact same idea. It's a hint to how the Yetzer Hara works within a person itself. He knows 
It's not going to work to be able to appear to you to just walk up to you and say, right, convince you to go do a Vodazara. If it says to you, all right, it's time for you to do a Vodazara, you're going to be like, I'm not going into a church. There's nothing that you're going to do here to be able to get me to go into a church, right? We talked about this not too long ago. There is nothing that anyone can say to me to get me to turn off a light on Shabbos. It's not going to happen. You could offer me any amount of money in the world, which first of all, I know you don't have. But second of all, there's no way. You could offer me anything. It's not going to happen. You could offer me a cheeseburger and say, it's an unbelievable cheeseburger. You should have this cheeseburger. And I can be like, I'm not having it. I don't care what you're giving me. I don't care what you're going to do. There's nothing you can do to make me do it. Nothing. Right? So the Tzavis Bracha says, the Yetzirah knows this. So he doesn't get you like that. What does he have to do? He has to get you small. And then slowly but surely build his way up and make it a little bit more and a little bit more. We know that a chait stands for something that's bishogig. We know that meilo stands for b'mezid. We also know that sins between man and man are worse than sins between man and Hashem because between man and Hashem, you can have Yom Kippur, but man and man, even Yom Kippur is not machaper. Not until you go up to your friend and you ask him for mechila straight up. You have to ask him for mechila, so it's much, much worse. We also know that one of the worst sins is shvuas sheker, lying in court, lying with a shvuah, as it says in Shavuot Islam test, the whole world is punished when a person does Shavuot Shekhar. It's the reason why we start off Yom Kippur with Kol Nidre. I've never quite understood this. I've asked my non-religious cousins over and over again, why are you so into Kol Nidre? They're like the haunting tune. I'm like, do you know what you're saying? All promises. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't have anything to do with anything. It's amazing, but clearly there's something there and that everybody is super into it. It's clear that that's an important part to world. So that's how he says, says it to his bracha, he says, nefesh ki When he does something that's a little bit wrong, then eventually it leads to me'ila. Me'ila is a worse sin, which will lead you to lie to your fellow man a worse sin, and eventually swearing falsely to the point where Mikol Asher Yasel Adam Lach Tobahena, he will do absolutely anything to the point of Mamish even a Vodazara. You want to get a person to do a Vodazara, just start him off and keep going and going and going and going and going. And eventually you'll get it. Eventually you'll be there. I have no doubt that that's what happened to Esau. There's no way you can get even an Esau of Russia to worship a Vodazara. But if at first you start passing by those places, at first you start hanging out with those people, then what do you think is going to happen? Of course that's going to be the result. The result is, is there when it goes through. I'm sorry? Is that Rifka's fault? Uh, nah, I, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> she was trying to improve everybody. No, it was Asaph's fault. We can't, we can't blame everything on our parents. Okay? A couple things, but not everything. Can't blame everything on them. And that's that. The Tambadas goes on, and he goes on about saying Gezel itself, and I'm going to skip that for right now. But then there's an unbelievable piece. This is the part of Yosef's Nine Torah and Vayatz of Abram all say the exact same basic thing that leads to the Menachem Tzion over here. Paris Yosef says, the biggest test that a person is ever going to have is by far with money. How will you act when there's a lot of money involved? Yeah, 100%. If you owe a guy five bucks, right, it's not that big deal. You can pay back five bucks. Five dollars is not that big of a deal. What about that loan of $50,000? What about the loan of $500,000? You know, there's a gemach here where they give you a loan for free when they go through. In order to get from that gemach, if you need some money, you have to go and you get, you have to get three cosigners. It's an unbelievable chassid, but they need two, three cosigners. And the obvious reason why is because there's a lot of people who don't pay back. That's what happens. And, you know, unfortunately it happens to a lot of people. They do not allow family to be cosigners on this loan. And that makes a lot of sense. Why wouldn't they allow co- family to be co-signers? Because that will tear the family apart. 
you want to lose a friend over it, <laughs> lose a friend over it. And that's what happens to a lot of people who end up loaning and it ends up becoming just a bit of tzedakah. And that's that. But don't lose family over something like this. It is by far the biggest test that comes through. When someone has pure emuna and bitachon, then of course we expect that that will help make the right decisions. But if you don't believe in God, if you don't have that emuna bitachon, there is no way you're going to make, be able to make the right decision. The Paris Yosef says, anyone who tells you that they don't believe in God and still they can be trusted when it comes to business without Adam, without Staros, they're liars, he says. It can't be. It can't be. Because it's by far the biggest test of religious people who know that there's a God, who believe that there's a God, who still dive in three times a day. How much more of a challenge is it for the people who don't believe there's a God so if they can get away with it? And again, $5, $100, I can totally hear. If you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars and you think that person's going to pay you back, you 100% have to get involved. I have made it a business of mine ever since I read in the Chavetz Chaim that even if I lend or borrow a dollar from someone, I make sure that there's an aid there, that there's a witness that sees it. Whether or not I end up getting it back or I give it back to that person, totally a different story and I'm totally mohol if anybody ever does that to me. It's what I say every hour of Yom Kippur. If somebody owed me money and has not paid me back, I am mohol it if he forgot and I forgot. That's a simple idea to be able to say just to make sure that nothing happens, right? But nonetheless, it is by far the biggest test. And for that reason, you got to have someone there. It takes one denial and you can ruin friendships. You can ruin people's lives. The Zion Latorah said that's exactly why Avram told Avimelech that he couldn't trust him and he had to lie about his wife, Sarah. Man. At the time she was Sarah? Yeah, I think at the time she was Sarah, right? Said, There's no Yerusalem here. There's no fear of God. They'll be willing to kill me over my wife. He said that in Mitzrayim, but here he says it clearer. I do, if you don't have Yerushalayim, if you don't have that fear of God, what do you expect? I can't, I can't normalize this situation. I can't assume that you guys are going to be fine. I can't trust you. That's simply what he put over here. He knew a person without Yerushalayim cannot be trusted. He can't be trusted. You have to be, you, especially, you don't believe in any reward and punishment. There's nothing we can do. But Yatav Ram quotes the Imre Chaim said the reason why people are so careful not to cheat others when they don't believe in Hashem is because they honestly think they're, they're afraid of the government, there's policemen, that they're, they're going to go to jail. If they could get away with it, they will. They 100% will. It's a Mishnah and Avos, Paragimel Mishnah Beis. It quotes Rabbi Hanina Skanakwanim, Davin for the good of the government. And I don't know, I still don't know why every shul doesn't do this. Davin for the health and the good of the government itself. Sholmole Mora, if not for the fear of the government, Ish Esreu Blao, you would swallow your friend alive. I remember Victor Miller talking about this on a tape once. Yeah, I'm going to have to speed it up a little bit because everything that Victor Miller does is like in negative 17 speed. So like where Victor Miller was saying that he, I, I was walking down the street. I saw something in a window. I saw something that I wanted. I was going to smash it. Then I remembered Hashem. He said, but if I don't have Hashem, what's going to remind me not to? You know what it is? The policeman's brutality stick. He said, he is going to beat me. And I'm a Jew. I'll be beaten. So I can't do it. I wouldn't be able to do it. I know I'm going to be beaten. That should scare you. I've seen the videos. If you've ever seen like the, the videos that they, they mommish show to African-American kids when they first get into a car. If a policeman pulls you over. Have you ever seen this before? 
They literally do it. Put your two hands on top of the wheel and stare straight ahead. Do not look anywhere else. Stare straight ahead. So that he knows exactly what you're doing at all times. It's unbelievably scary. We're lucky that we don't have to deal with that issue, right? We're not living down south and... We're usually not have to, we don't have to worry about those cops anymore because they're more afraid than we are. Which, thank God, that, that, it's in one way a good thing. But that says the Vyatsev of Rome is what scares anything from anybody. Without belief in God, there's nothing stopping this guy. That's how to understand this Pusik. Such a Lushan is usually used for hectish, for going up against hectish. But here it's being used to tell you that if someone is keeping mitzvahs properly, he will not be keeping, if he's not keeping mitzvahs properly, he will never be able to keep other mitzvahs properly. You can't trust him. You cannot trust him. In the end, he has no problem lying to his people because he doesn't think he's ever going to be caught. If there's no belief in a Kaddish Baruch, how are you supposed to be? Now, Menachem Sion, this Rav Zaks, the one of the Rosh Shiva of Skilki Yeshiva, he goes on and on about the power of money and what it does to us. He says, Sulam, the ladder that Yaakov sees, saw in his dream, is the same gematria as Mamum, of money itself, because this is part of the ladder of life, of going up and down and having things happen to you at all times. Even the next Parsha starts off with the word Tzav, Parsha's Tzav, and Rashi immediately says, when it comes to Chesron Kis, when there's a loss of money, right, you have to be Mazari's people. You really have to be Mazari's people, right? That's when you have to be involved, because you know what's going to happen when it comes to a loss of money. There are three ways to know what a person is really all about. We know Kaso, what happens when he's angry. We know Koso, what happens when he's drunk. And Kiso, what happens when there's a loss of money involved? You will see what the person's like when there's a huge amount of money being lost. Even Reb Yochanan, Yushalmi Trumas, it's Yushalmi Trumas, it's Parak Ches Halacha Yud, right? In the Daf Yushalmi, the Daf Yomi cycle, they'll get there in about 17 years. He said he had money stolen from him. Reish Lakish asked him a certain Shaila and Halacha. This happens. And Reb Yochanan said, I can't answer. I can't answer, Rabbi Yochanan told him, because all limbs are connected to the heart, and the heart is dependent on one's wallet. And if I don't have any money on me, I can't think straight. That's crazy. Rabbi Yochanan said that's Rish Lakish. I can't think straight. I had my money stolen from me. I can't do anything. The Rabbeinu Tam, they say, had a, a bowl filled with gold coins on his head. He was extremely wealthy. The Rashbam was extremely poor, his brother. But the Rabbeinu Tam was extremely wealthy. And in a hand, he had a bowl full of gold coins. And he would sit there and he would learn. He'd put his hand into the gold coins and finger the coins, like put his fingers all around them. And that would help him understand sugyas. Because once he had the money in his pocket, he had no problems. He figured out everything. That is a crazy idea. In the Gemara and Erevin, Shabbos, I'm sorry, Kufn and Gimel, the Gemara asks why someone who's stuck in an area without an Erev, you're stuck in an area, there's no Erev, he's allowed to give his wallet to a guy, to a non-Jew, to be able to go home for him, to bring it home for him. And it says, if we don't allow him to do so, he'll end up carrying it home and walking Dalit Amos in a Rashusa Rabin. We don't trust him when it comes to his wallet. We can't trust you. So we allow you to do something crazy, which is go to a non-Jew and tell him, carry this for me and have him carry it straight home for you, which we never allow. It's for sure a deal, right? So you're talking about Rashusa Rabin over here, but we still allow it because a loss of money is not an insignificant thing. That's what you have. And therefore, even the quantum have to be told this over and over of Zrizus to be able to be careful because a loss of money is nothing. Money is a major part of life. That's what it says in the Menachem Sion. He goes on and on. I'm, I'm quoting like a third of what he says over there, but it just goes on and on and on. Okay. Then there's another remnant. It's brought by the Shach. This is amazing. He says that Ba'amiso, the Chichesh Ba'amiso may refer to one's Gilgal. 
the am, the people that are within him, which is his neshama. The pikadon means the first gilgal that he had. He was chichesh ba. He weakened it by doing terrible things that first time around, possibly doing a sin that allowed him to be in the world again and again and again. Perhaps he stole things. Perhaps he put his hand where he shouldn't have gone. Anything like that. Things that would make him return to this world. They say that if you still owe money to people when the world is, you know, when you finished and you're done, then you have to come back to make sure that person gets his money back in some way, shape, or form. You will be there. If he feels guilty about it, shame the hash of his exhala, he should do tshuva and literally return the things that he stole, then maybe his soul will get the tikkun it needs to get to the higher level. And that's the remez throughout the parsha of a kichesh ba'miso and going further and further. There's more. Dubno Magid and Mashle Yaakov. He quotes Baba Vashra Pechasim Abeis that gezel hedyot, stealing from a regular person, is worse than gezel gavoa, stealing from a Kaddish Barfu. Because here it says chet before me'ila and there it's the opposite. It's me'ila and then hate. Here's how he explains it. Gives a marshal to a child who steals from his father. Right? A kid who just steals from his father. He t- finds his wallet, grabs some money out and goes out and does whatever it was. The father found out, took this stolen stuff that his, father, his son had taken, whatever it was, right? And doesn't, doesn't punish him at all. Later, the child steals from somebody else. Again, the father finds the stolen item, returns it, and then comes back and whips his kid. The kid says, what, what happened? I steal from you and I don't get whipped. You didn't say anything to me at all. But I steal from that guy and all of a sudden you whip me? What happened? What's the difference between the two? Says the Dubna Magid. This simple idea behind it is, he said, you and me, we're related. I'm your dad. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make sure you have everything you need. When you steal from me, it just means you took from me what I was going to give you anyway at some point. That's all it is. That's fine. But taking from somebody else... Taken from somebody else means you didn't learn any lesson whatsoever. You think that you have the right to everything and that it's all yours. You understand that the world is everything has to be yours, even something that belongs to somebody else. Returning the item may have given back the man what he lost, but I had to punish you for what you did wrong. Says the Mashal Yaakov. That's the difference between Gezel Gavoa and Gezel Hadyot. When it comes to Gezel Gavoa, you steal from a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Look, yes, obviously you did something wrong. You stole. But in the end, a Kaddish Baruch Hu is going to take care of you anyway. So a Kaddish Baruch Hu will forgive you and he's okay. He'll figure it out with you. But Gezel Hadyot, there's no Hatur. There's Mamish no Hatur. There's no way to get around it. And that's what it means that the fate is coming back at the very, very end. Okay, the Atavia Avram brings an unbelievable story. I'm going to end with this story. It'll take me, eh, we can finish it off. The Oed Yisrael was the Rav of Apt. Apta, right? The Oed Yisrael. If you heard of the Oed Yisrael, loved every Jew, was involved with every Jew. One time there was a certain poor man who came to him and he's crying. He said, I need to marry off my daughter. I have no idea what to do. She's ready to be married. I have absolutely no money to give. And I don't know what to do, right? What am I supposed to do? I, I need to give a proper dowry. I need to marry her off. I need to do everything. What am I supposed to do? So the Rebbe said, how much do you need? The man responded with a large amount. He said, I need 400 gold coins. I assume there were some loans that he needed in there. Whatever. But 400 gold coins. He needed to marry off his daughter. So the Rebbe, so the Rebbe said, don't worry at all. It's not a problem whatsoever. And he took out a piece of paper. He wrote on the piece of paper, he said, I'm writing to one of my chassidim. He wrote to the chassid and he said, please give this man, right, everything he's asking for. He needs it for his wedding. Do not give him a penny less. And then he signed his name, the Oiv Yisrael. So the poor man was super happy. He took the letter, right? He took that, that letter. And he goes over to where this man lived, the chassid of the Abderav, right? And he goes over to him and, the, the, and he goes in, the guy invites him into his house and he says, what do you come to see me about? And he said, I have a letter for you from the Abderav, right? So he said, okay. So he looked at it and he's like, this is unbelievable. I have a, he mamish wrote it to me. He didn't write it to anybody else. He mamish wrote it to my name. 
And he looked at it, and he was shocked. He looked at the guy, and he said, so how much do you need? He said, 400 gold coins. The guy was like, 400 gold coins? Hold on a second. Dude, I'll give you a coin, a gold coin, that's way more than I normally give him a sholach that comes by. A gold coin I'll give you, but 400, that's crazy. I can't do 400 gold coins. And the guy said, I can't. The Opterov told me that you would give me all 400 gold coins. You would give me exactly what I asked for. So Matt said, look, look, I really want this letter. Obviously, I want a letter where the Opterov is telling me, he's giving me brachas and showering me with brachas at the end of this letter, and he's got his name on it. I want this letter. I don't normally do this, but I'll give you 20 gold coins for this letter. 20 gold coins. That's way better than you're going to get knocking on doors around. 20 gold coins. The guy said, absolutely not. He wouldn't take no for an answer. I want my 400 gold coins. The guy said, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. So he walked around a little bit and he came back and he said, okay, 50 gold coins, but that's my final offer. 50 gold coins. And I'm only doing it because I want this letter so badly. He said, 50 gold coins. Rabid, you're not going to get this anywhere else. I promise you. Take the money. Take this money. I promise you're not going to get anywhere else. So the guy said, no. The Opterov told me that I would get everything he had. He took the letter, folded it back up, the poor, the, the poor man, put it in his pocket, went right back to the Opterov, right? So the Opterov saw him, and he said, what happened? And he said, he wouldn't give me the 400 gold coins. He said, all right, that's fine. Don't worry about it. There's nothing to worry about, right? And he wrote another letter to another chassid and wrote the exact same thing. He said, take 400 gold coins, give it over to this chassid, right? And he signed his lamb with all the, the brachos of everything, right? And that's that. So he brings it over to the second chassid. He goes over to that second chassid. The second chassid reads the letter, his eyes wide open. He says, what do you need? And the poor man said, I need 400 gold coins. He said, okay. He immediately goes to his safe, pulls out 300 gold coins, and he said, this is all I have on me, but hold on. And then he goes on eBay, right, sells like a couple things that he has, whatever it is, immediately gets another 100 gold coins, gives it over to the guy, mortgages some things in the house and whatever it is, gives all 400 gold coins to the guy, and he says, take it, take it, right? So the guy says, okay, thank you so much, and that's that. Obviously, he gave him the letter, and that was that. So everybody knows what happened after that, right? If you've never heard a Hasidic story in your life, this is the first Hasidic story you've ever heard, right? So you know, this story may not have a forest in it, and might not have a wagon, right? Although I would assume that the poor guy was going through by wagon. I would assume that's what was happening. But you all know that the wealthy guy who refused to give ended up losing all of his money and didn't have anything left and became extremely poor and was knocking from door to door, while the chassid that did give all of his money immediately became super rich, super wealthy, was able to pay back his debts that he gave the 400 gold coins, became super wealthy, uber wealthy, and everything was all good, right? Eventually, this chassid that was knocking door to door came to the town of Opt itself. He came to the Opt and he said to the Opta Rebbe, Rebbe, I know that the reason why I'm poor right now and the reason why I'm knocking from door to door is because I didn't give that chassid the money. But how in the world could you expect me to give 400 gold coins to one guy? How in the world am I supposed to do it? So Opta Rebbe said, you're right, let's go to a basin. So he took in the basin. So he walked up to the basin in Opta. They went ahead to the basin itself and they presented the case. And the guy presented his case. He said, I had no idea that he wanted me to get 400 gold. How was I supposed to know? I had to get 400 gold coins or I'd lose everything. I couldn't know that. The Opta Rebbe said, Okay, I'll tell you exactly what happened over here. Every neshama is brought before the Beisden Shemaila before it's born. And the Beisden Shemaila has to make a bunch of decisions. One of the decisions that the Beisden Shemaila has to make is whether or not that neshama is going to be rich or poor. When my neshama was up in Shemayim, and of course the Aptorah has full recollection of all this, when my neshama was being brought in front of the Beisden Shemaila, they poskin that I was going to be extremely wealthy. And I said, no, I don't want it. I don't want that gift. I don't want that. I'd rather be poor. I'd rather be poor and don't give me that wealth. 
So they said, we can't say no. <laughs> this is already decreed upon by a Kaddish Baruch Hu, and a gift from a Kaddish Baruch Hu has to be taken. So Abderav said, as an Ashama, he said, then don't give it to me. Let me be able to give it to other people that are my friends. I'll give my wealth out to other people, and I'll split it between everybody out there. They'll all have my wealth, and it'll be theirs, but it's really mine. Can I divide it up between everybody else? So the gift is given to me, but I'm going to give it to my chasidim, my chaverim. They should take care of the money for me. They'll be the guys in charge of it. They all agreed to that. Everybody agreed. The Beis and Shemayla agreed, and it was done. So he turned and he said to the Beis and Shemayla, this man was one of the men that I gave all of my money to. So obviously it's my money to give who I'm, whom I deem fit. And when I said I want him to give the 400 gold coins to this poor man and he didn't give it, then he doesn't deserve to be my person in charge. You know, the, the person in charge of my loans anymore. So I don't want him in charge. I took away the money that I took from him and I gave it to the other guy who clearly was in charge of my money and was willing to give to anybody there. That's fair, says the Abderav, isn't it? I clearly did it with all that and that should be perfectly fine. The man was shocked. He was absolutely shocked. And he told the basin, that's not fair. Had I known that I was just the guy watching the money for the Opterebbe, then I would have made sure to give out any money that the Opterebbe told me to give out. But how was I supposed to know that? I couldn't have known that. There's no way. The basin Paskin, they're right. He couldn't have known that. So therefore, he doesn't deserve to be the guy in charge of the collection agency for the Opterebbe. But he does deserve to at least not be poor enough that he has to go door to door. He has to be able to make a living. So they told Abdur Reva that. So Abdur Reva says, is that the Psak? He said, that's the Psak. And he said, okay. So that person, exactly what happened. Right? The other Chassid still became super wealthy. Well, this Chassid always had enough for the rest of his life. He always had exactly what it was. And you can better believe that any time the Abdur Reva told him to give something, he went in and gave it. This made explain the Pasuk in a totally different vein. He says... When someone is kichesh ba'amiso, about a pikadon, money that was given to him to watch for someone else like the Abderebbe, then umola ma'al ba'ashem when he does so, and doesn't give what he's supposed to give, and he's going to lose it all. That's the lesson from this Pasuk. That's how the Yatzav of Rome ends up saying from this Pasuk itself. And if you saw that one coming, you're a liar. There's no way you saw that one coming. That's amazing. That is an absolute amazing for it. Let's stop with that, guys. Have a great Shabbos.